Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. This is just the best. Glad that you guys are here. Um, Great to see you guys. Like they already mentioned, we're in this series. Uh, We're just starting this where you get to ask the questions. And what we'll hear and we, we answer that as well. But here's, here's kind of the ground rules of what we do, is what we try to do is we want to go to the Scripture. If we have a question, is we look up a Scripture, and if there's a Scripture that handles that, then that we, we have our due, is we want to find a biblical principle that can be applied to that situation. So number one, we want to find a verse, and, and typically not just one, okay, because a, a verse out of context is a con. It's just, it's, it's, no, it's no good. We... It'll be multiple, and we, we want the context as well. Then the next, we're going to find a principle. And if we can't find a principle, well, then all you're left with is my opinion. So we'll just, we'll just go over there, but we're going to get started. Yeah, good morning. How's everybody doing? <laughs> good. Oh, that might be me. Okay, so we'll start with question number one. The first question we have is, how is the Trinity one person in three parts? Being two parts of spiritual, one part human, is one more in charge than the other? Scripture says only God, the Father, knows when Jesus will return. How does that work in relation to the question above? You're going to answer that one? I, well, I have things that I could say. So I, the thing is, any, any analogy that we give when it comes to the Trinity is going to fall vastly short of what the Trinity is. Um, but I heard somebody say one time that they talked about the Trinity as a chord. A musical chord and so if you've ever played keys or anything like that you know that a C chord is made up of three distinct notes but a C chord cannot be a C chord without those three notes present and um, when I was looking at this there are quite a few different things that that the word says about the Trinity and the Trinity the word itself is not explicitly mentioned in the biblical text but from the, from the very beginning of creation, God said, let us create mankind in our image. We have, to do, we have to work really hard not to see God as a pie where it's split into three pieces. That's actually a, a heresy called modalism where we say Jesus is just this and God is just this and the Holy Spirit is just this. Instead, they are one essence in three people. And one of the places that we see this most clearly is Matthew 28, 19. It says, go there therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, the singular name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus got baptized, the Bible says that Jesus comes up out of the water and a voice from heaven speaks, this is my son and him I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. It's, it's all three. So like, is there a natural illustration that can make that, I think, nothing better than maybe those notes? And I don't think we'll fully understand what that is until we get to heaven and, and we get to experience that. Um, great, great question. It's one of those things you're like, well, how? And it's like, I, I, don't, I don't really know how. You know, even when we, we come to things like the ark and you're like, okay, all the animals got on the ark. And you're like, well, well, kind of like how? And it's like, well, I don't, I don't really know how. 
I mean, I have some ideas. I can be like, well, the, my, my guess is that the, God didn't take like the biggest of every animal and send it to the ark. Like maybe they were little. And then there's a kind of like, well, like, did every, every animal make it on? Or was it just like the, the ones that needed with the right genes? Would, would God know that? Yeah, I think he would. And that species do divert. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, there's, there's some of that. So some of that, I, I do think that we really do. And it does take some just faith. And being like, you know, I, I could see. But the Bible doesn't tell us, it, it's not a book of how the heavens go, but instead how to go to heaven. It's not a explaining everything to us, but what we see instead is over and over is science proves things that were in the Bible for forever and ever. I I've used this illustration and I love it, but the illustration of God commanding the Israelites to go relieve themselves outside of the camp to dig a hole and to bury it. Well, we read that in the Bible, and you and I, and we're like, well, duh, that makes sense. But yet millions of people died because they didn't know to do that. Only a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, not that long. I mean, it's insane. And, and I just think, well, I don't want to let go, and I would encourage all of us, don't let go of what you know to be true because of what you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next, next one. Um, that we're going to hit is this one, asking for a friend. Okay, the, the just of this question is, is believing enough? You know, do I need to go to church? Uh, what if I just go to church online? Um, if, if we're saved by faith, then what if I don't pray or I don't pray enough or I, I, I don't fast or I don't do this, this religious thing? Like, is believing enough? Um, and there's a couple answers to that one. So the short answer is yes and no. So here, here we go. Genesis 15, verse 6 says this, And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So was it belief? Yes. Uh, an instance of this that we see where somebody really didn't even have time uh, a deathbed conversion, if you will, would be the, one of the thieves that was on the cross with Jesus. Uh, he didn't have time to get baptized. He didn't have time to go and apologize to a bunch of people. He was hanging on the cross and he was dying. And Jesus looks at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. So it's, is it, is it what you believe? Yes. Yes, it is. But then the answer is also um, no, and, and here's the reason why it's yes and no. Because we already said we want to find a scripture that covers that, but if all we do is find one scripture, well, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. And we interpret scripture with scripture, meaning we want to look at what the Bible has to say, not just a tiny portion of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen even those, those videos where they would take presidents and famous people and they would just take all the snippets of the different words that they had said and then make them sing songs with auto-tune. And they were actually, because they actually said those words, but it wasn't in that order, but then they just changed the order and put it together. And you're just like, that's awful, but I love it. That's awful. That's hilarious, but it's awful. Okay. Well, we don't want to do something like that with the scripture. We interpret scripture with scripture. So we also want to look, and then we have verses like this in James chapter two. What does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that same faith save him? He's like, look, 
And in verse 17, he gives the answer. He says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. He's like, look, if you say you believe something, but you, have no, you do not have the accompanying action, it's not true. You don't actually believe it. He's like, look, so yes, is faith enough? Yes, it is. But as a result of that faith, our actions are meant to change. And if they don't change, that faith, James says, he goes, it's dead. So is faith enough? Yes. But faith then demands what we truly believe, then demands actions that line up with that faith. It's just, it's just plain and simple. It's over and over in Scripture. James 2, verse 18. But some will say, I have faith and, and I have works. So show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by works. Verse 19. You believe there is one God and you do well, but even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac as his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. It's what we believe. It's believing what God's word has to say and then being like, okay, because I believe it, I have faith, my actions will change. If I tell Becca that I love her, but I don't talk to her, I ignore her, I'm rude to her, all I do is yell. She's like, wait a second, that's not right. We understand this in I think, almost every area of life and it's the same here. Um, faith, when we have faith in God, is do, do I need to do those things? Well, the answer is yes, you, you do, but you don't do them because that earns you anything, you do them because you trust that God's word is true and that when he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, that you're like, I want that. And I believe that what you have for me is best. So I do that thing. Like, I tithe even though we know that it's, I'll have less. Like, I understand that. When I spend money, there's less money there. But yet I trust that what God says is true, that I'll be blessed if I do. And I enjoy giving, and I like seeing what my money's doing, and I like seeing that lives are being changed, and I like supporting missionaries, and I like being able to say, like, this is great. Like, I, I enjoy that. But I trust that it's true, and so because I believe it, I do it. But if I said, like, you'd, you'd call me a hypocrite if I was like, hey, you guys should do that, but I won't. You'd be like, do you believe it? Well, yeah, I believe it for you, but not for me. Like that, 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 just, that just does not work. But we believe that what God says is true. So then we're like, okay, then I want to do this. We believe it. That's one of the reasons why you hear me say, get involved in building the local church. Because in Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build the church. So I'm like, we need, we need to be at church. Be involved. That's why I say, if you want to be at the forefront of what God is doing in the world today, then be a part of building a local church. Because that's what Jesus said that he was going to do. We believe it, so then we do it. It's important, so we do it. That's why during 2020, when, when we got kicked out of the school here, uh, we, 
we're like, okay, um, we can't go to church, but yet God's word says in Hebrews 10, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And we take that very seriously because that's what God's word said. And Jesus said, I want to build the church. So we looked around and we called around. I'm like, hey, I called churches that weren't meeting. Like, hey, can we meet? And they're, they're like, well, how many are you? I'm like, well, I, I don't know how many would show up, but we were about like 300. And they're like, that's too many people. No, you can't use our building. And we're like, well, that's weird. So we just kept looking and looking. And some of you guys remember this. We found a barn that said yes, but we were weeks where we couldn't meet. And then we started meeting, and some people were mad that we were meeting. And we're like, but God's word says, I don't, if you want to come in a spacesuit, come. If you don't want to come, I'm not going to make you come, but I'll show up. Like, I'm going to be there because I believe that it's true. And there's instances in our lives where what we believe comes up against society or comes up against sometimes just what we're doing. And we have to ask ourselves, do I really believe this? Because if I do, I've got to change some things. We believe it, so we just, the, the, the barn said yes, so we met in a barn. And it got hot and it got cold and kids were in there and some people showed up and some people didn't. And it was like, this is hilarious. But we believe it to be true. I look at that verse in, in Hebrews, and we know kind of the time frame that that was written in and who that was written at, at that time, too. And you're like, wait a second. The temple was still there. They were about to enter some severe persecution where, where Christians were being tortured, burned alive, and stabbed on stakes, lit on fire like candles. And they were told, do not neglect the gathering together. Like, if it was important for them... I'm like, it's important for us. And so we have to look at every area of our life. I'll get that for you. You're not going to be able to get that. <laughs> Her microphone just fell. I'm like, it ain't going to work. So we have to look at every area of our life and say, okay. And that's what we're meant to do when we look at Scripture. It's supposed to be a mirror that shines back on us and shows us what, we're, what our life is supposed to look like. And we're supposed to look at it and be like, okay, I believe, so as a result, what do I need to change? How do I need to love? What am I meant to be doing? If I believe that Jesus is coming back and his reward is with him, and, and then, then what am I doing today to impact that? If I believe that that is true, then it's meant to change the way we live. So is belief enough? Yes. But then that belief will accompany and there will be our actions that change. So 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 13 says this. It says, um, Paul is quoting a psalmist from 119, I believe. And it says, I believed in God, so I spoke. And again, it just reiterates that when we believe there, there will be that accompanying action. And it says in chapter 5, verse 20, it says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. So one of the things that I've likened this to in the past is um, salvation, a salvation moment is different than a salvation life. So a salvation moment is if you're on a team, that's putting on the jersey. That's that's putting on the jersey, that's suiting up. But a salvation life, living a life that says this is what I believe and this is what I'm a part of is getting in the game. 
And there are ups and downs to that, but it's, it's getting out there and it's playing the game. And so we are Christ's ambassadors as if God is making his appeal through us. So if we say, I've had that salvation moment, but I'm not going to get on the field and play. Well, then if every single believer does that, then Christ's ambassadors are no longer out in the field. They're no longer doing and making that appeal. And so it should be really exciting. We should have the thought of what more can I do in terms of God, speak to me. Like what, you know, do you have something that you want me to share with my neighbor? Do you have something you want me to text somebody? Do you have a gift that you want me to give somebody? I, I think many of us have had even something like that where they've had a perfectly timed word or a perfectly timed gift or somebody that's thought of you just just out of the blue, God has, God has put you on their hearts. And so things like that, too, that's, that is that same thing. That's us getting in the game. Absolutely. And the further away our culture drifts from, runs from, whichever, God's word, the more we will stand out, that we're meant to stand out. Um. There, there was a time where you would be a Christian and here in the States and you wouldn't look that much different than your neighbor that wasn't because you both just kind of, our culture was and had been, the United States was, a, was founded on Christian principles. Looking all over for it, still can't find, find the quote to know exactly who this was and when and exactly it happened. But there was, um, shortly after some of the success of early America, um, Chinese diplomat came over and was looking at America and, and just, just the success that it had happened here and, and how this nation had come about and grown from nothing. And he said, he went back home and he said, um, your... Your constitution is great, but that is not what makes your country great. He said, it is your God that makes your country great. He came, looked and said, yeah, this is great. I see these documents. This is awesome. But that's not what makes America great. It's, it's the culture. It was a Christian culture that had been developed um, and, and we're going to get a lot more into this uh, in, in the coming year. We're going to bring back a series we did last, last election, so maybe we'll just do this every four years, God, Politics, and the Bible, where we really look at how it's meant to work and, and work together and, and, and influence what it is that we do. But as the world drifts further and further away, we're going to stand out more and more and more with our decisions because what we believe is meant to change the way that we live. And it's one of the reasons why small groups are so important. It's one of those reasons because it's getting around a team of people that builds you up. It's getting around a team of people that builds you up who have the same mission ideals and still the same focus of their life, which is God. It's getting around those people and being like, hey, this is what we're doing. And you look and you just, you just kind of, you, you learn. Like, this is what they did with their kids and this is what they didn't do. I wonder why they did that. And not that you copy everything, but it kind of gives you an idea. You're like, I haven't, I haven't thought about that. That's a pretty good one. We, we get around people and we grow. And sometimes it takes just being intentional, just finding people 
It's, it's finding people that are further ahead and being like, hey, you. Um, I'd like to get to know you. And it could be weird. It could be really weird. Um, when I was in grade school, my, I went, went to Tri-Unity for several years. It was a private school. Then I was homeschooled through the rest of high school. But when I was at school, I remember my mom was like, you don't have any friends. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you need some friends. And so she would, she's like, I'm going to go pick up such and such a boy, and, and we're gonna, I'm going to take you guys. And I don't even know where she took us. And I was like, Mom, I don't need this. But she, like, arranged a friend date for me. And I was like, Mom, this is awful. I don't remember his name. Um, remember he had a really weird voice, but that's about it, okay? I think I was in, like, fourth grade. And, and she arranges that. And, and so we went, and I'm like, we did... Um, I think we fought the next day in school. But anyways, like it, it did not go well um, <laughs> at, at all. And when you're a kid, you run into some of that stuff. Well, as an adult, it can still be weird. It, it, it can still be weird. Um, some of our very good friends are Jamie and Jason. They're actually they're sitting, they're sitting over here. Um, but we, we were going to res, and... We're just in that kid's stage, and we're, so every, every week we're going into nursery and, and checking, checking kids in the nursery, and Jamie and Jason served in the nursery. So I'd go in there to check kids in or out or something, and I would just see Jason, and there he would be, and he'd be like, hey, how's it going? And I'd be like, hi, it's going good. And it, it got to the point where I just knew, like, hey, if I'm going in there, I'm going to say hi to this guy. And, and eventually I figured out his name, and it's Jason. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. And he was just, he was just always friendly. And it was just like, okay. Um, and, and we just walk in, and there he is again. And oh, there's Jamie over there. Jamie was doing her, her thing. She's not quite as outgoing as Jason. I don't know if you know that or not. Not, not quite. And then one day, um, like, like honestly, it was like, like seriously, like he was friend stalking. I'm so serious. And, <laughs> and then one day they're like, hey, do you guys want to come over for, they invited us over, I think it was for dinner or lunch. I think it was, I think it was a lunch. And so we were like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he just seemed like a nice guy. He was always there. He was serving in the nursery, which is why he was in the nursery. I don't know if I said that part, but I just want to say that again. That's why he was always hanging out in the nursery. And they invited us over. And I remember we just kind of went over for lunch one day. And, and then we were on our way home and we were like, that was, that was really, that was great. Like, that was, that was great. Uh, he had to explain some football to me, I think, because um, uh, he was watching some football that day. And um, it's kind of an interesting, but it's, it's how I remember our, our friendship starting. Now, Jason will have his stories, and it's like his, his, those are his lies, so he can say it however he wants. <laughs> um, but my version is my version. Um, but it can be just kind of weird. But I think it's one of those things that is so important and one of the reasons it's so important is because that we, need to, that we have great relationships and that we go out of our way to, to find them and find people, do what we need to do, whether you guys are here, um, hanging out at church, getting to know some people, getting involved, getting plugged in so that we can meet some people. Uh, going to small groups, small groups are going to start up, I believe it's February 18, they're going to start back up and think about hosting or, or joining a group as they, they kick back off and getting around some people who are like-minded and who want to build the kingdom of God and just learning and growing together uh, makes such a difference. It makes such a difference. I'm always amazed when, when I read studies about 
I guess, what, what, what do they call that? When somebody, peer pressure, I guess is what it would be, but the peer pressure studies, where they, they bring somebody in. I don't know if you've ever read any of these. Where they bring people in and they'll have, say, a group of six people. And they'll show them three lines and they'll say, which line is the longest? And out of those six people, five of them are plants. So five of them are in on it and one is not. And then like 90% of the time, it works. And here's what they do. So everybody answers the first questions and they show them a, a, some lines, say, which one is the longest? And everybody says, you know, the first guy says, line A is longer. And then A, 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 all the way down. They do this several times, and then, so maybe some lines, and, and then next it's a house, doesn't matter what it is. And then, remember, five of them are in on it, one is not. At some point during the test, we start over here with the guy that's in on it, and they say, which line is shorter? And although it's obvious that C is the correct answer, the first guy says B because he's in on it. And the second guy says, B, because he's in on it. And the third guy says, B, because he's in on it. And the fourth guy says, B, because he's in on it. And the fifth guy says, B, because he's in on it. And here's what they find. In 90% of the time, the sixth guy, the only one that's not in on it, even though he looks and he sees and he knows the answer is not B, 90% of the time, they will say B. Even though they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. <laughs> uh, maybe that's who just requested a password from me. Um, they know it's wrong, but it's just, it's just the power of peer pressure. And as we talk about, and, and that question of, is believing enough? The answer is yes, that's what it takes, but then your actions need to line up with it. And the more our world turns away, the more important it is to be at church, to be in a small group, to be connecting. Where are small groups in the Bible? It, they are in the Bible. Jesus says that they went to the temples and then they met house to house. Um, I look at that as a small group. It's getting together. Those are coming up. Your schedules are full and they have stuff. Let me just encourage you, make some time. Make sure that you are around, that you've got a group that's like, yeah, um, that's a good idea. This is a bad idea, that you are not just drowned by six voices that are all saying the wrong thing because it doesn't matter. Peer pressure is true. When you're 12, peer pressure is true. When you're 22 or when you're 62, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's also why it is so important to know what your foundation is. So when Samuel and I preach, please do not just take what we say for granted. Um, test what we say. Go back to the Word of God and look at the Word of God and see what it says. We have the luxury 
uh, that first century Christians didn't have, which is we each have access to the word of God in our homes, in our phones. We carry it with us everywhere we go. And so we want to make sure that we are testing not only culture, not only what's happening out there, but even what happens in here. We want to make sure that we're, we're holding it up to scripture all the time. I love Paul says this. He says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5, he says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. This is what our foundation needs to be. You know, like Samuel was talking about groupthink, I think is kind of what it, what it comes down to. And it's true across cultures. It's true across age ranges. It's true with everything. But the, the difference is, um, even in the church, you can see it, but we have a foundation. Culture, the foundation keeps moving. The mark keeps moving. There's not something that everybody can come back to, and we have the word of God. And so we really encourage you, get around people who, who see this as the foundation. Even when Samuel and I began our marriage, one of the things that I think he's even shared is when we have disagreements, uh, it was really important to both of us that we knew that our disagreements would end with what's in here. And so we, we were like, it, it comes back to what the word of God says. If the word says that this is what we need to do, whether or not I agree with it, then this is what we're going to do. Um, the beautiful thing about that, coming back to small groups, is there have been times where we've both looked at this and said, well, I think it says A. And he's like, well, I clearly think it says B. And we have people in our lives who we, we've gone. We've gone to their houses and we've sat down and said, hey, we are completely, we are not in unity about this. We disagree about this. Can you please pray over us, help us out, um, just give us another perspective. And we chose people who also have this in their hearts. And so that's really important. Absolutely. Okay, next one. Women teaching and preaching. It's the short version of those, those questions that come in. And I think this is a great question. Um, and really, it because of what we find in God's word. But like I said earlier, um, where we want to start is, is we look for a verse, but we interpret the Bible with the Bible. Uh, so I'll give this short version. There's a much longer version to, of this um, on the website if you want to download that that goes into a lot more detail with it. But we're going to start with 1 Timothy 2.11, and it says this, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man but to be in silence. Okay, so if, if there's a verse, and there it is, and I understand that, and I love it. It's like, okay. But again, what we do is we interpret the Bible with the Bible. I got to stand up. I can't sit down. All right, there we go. So we interpret the Bible with the Bible. And if all we do is look at that one verse, we're like, well, wait a second. That's not what, then that's, what, that's what's best, and that's what I want to do. Okay, but we're going to read, and I'm going to read Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. So this is after Jesus' ascension. So he has died, he's shown himself, he's, that's all happened, and now he's gone back up to heaven. 
where they were saying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Women's was there, okay? With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now we're going to jump to Acts chapter 2. And it talks about when the Holy Spirit fell. And it says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat up upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this was everyone that was in the upper room. And who was there? It was men, and it was women. And then this, this pours over. Meaning it came out of the upper room and, and, and people began to hear what was going on as the people were speaking. In Acts 2, verse 15, some people came and said, hey, what's going on with this? Because they're seeing everybody that was in the upper room that came out, which is both men and women. Thank you. Acts chapter 2, verse 15. Peter jumps up to answer it and he says this, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh, your sons and your daughters. Everybody say daughters. Daughters. Shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Who's going to prophesy? Your daughters, your maidservants, your men servants, the, the, the young and the old, they're going to see visions. He says, and now, now understand this, prophesying is setting forth a matter. It's a divine teaching by special um, faculty, the way it was given. He says, look, they're all going to prophesy. So when the Holy Spirit fell, men and women began to prophesy, to proclaim, and to teach together. Together, they began to do this. When Jesus rose from the dead, this is something that when we read our Bibles, Matthew 28, 10, it says, women served. In Matthew 28, 10, um, we see that women served as the first witness of Jesus' resurrection. And they went and proclaimed that Jesus had rose again. Now, the interesting thing was, at that time and in that culture, a woman could not, her testimony could not be given in court because she was a woman. It was the shh. Like, like, yeah, you might have saw that, but you're a woman, so it doesn't even count. You know, one of the interesting things here, too, is in John 20, another account of the resurrection, it actually says that um, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. So she goes to the tomb, and she realizes that Jesus is not there. The, the stone has been rolled away. So she ran and found some of the other disciples. And, it sa- and she says, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. It says in verse 3, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running. Oh, this is John writing. So it's like, but the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, was faster. Anyhow, so they're both running. They go to the tomb. They realize, yes, he's not there. And then it says in verse 10, this is chapter 20, verse 10, then they went home. 
So Mary goes to the tomb. She goes to get the disciples. The disciples come back to the tomb with her. And it says, then they went home. And then it says this in verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw the angels and they said, why are you crying? And she says, they've taken away my Lord. Then it says in verse 14, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, he said, for I haven't yet ascended to the father, but go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord then she gave them his message. So I love this. This is one of the scriptures that solidified it for me that women do have a message to carry because not only she went there and it was empty and then she left, she brought back the men and Jesus did not choose that moment to appear. He could have chosen that moment and said, oh gosh, the guys are here. I can tell them now. Instead, it says they went home. And then she was still there, and he gave her the message and said, go tell them. And, um, you know, you look at the Old Testament, like Samuel said, you don't stand on just one scripture. We look at the Old Testament, and before there were kings, before Saul was made kings, there, there were judges, and the judges were the leaders of Israel. And one of those judges was Deborah. So Judges 4 and 5, she was known for her wisdom, for spiritual insight, for success in battle. And it says this, it says there's zero indication in her role that it was assumed because there were no qualified men willing or able. It wasn't that there were no men around. It was that she was chosen by God to lead. Anna was a prophet who dedicated her life to praying and praising. In Luke 2 and 25, she recognized and proclaimed God's divinity. Huldah was an Old Testament prophetess. Priscilla was part of the church in Ephesus, co-led with her husband in teaching and evangelizing. That's Acts 18, 24 to 26. Phoebe was a deacon in a Formal position of leadership at a church near Rome. Paul praised her for her leadership and impact and asked the rest of the church to follow her instructions as well. We look at scripture. I would just warn you against finding one scripture and being like, oh, well, this is what it says. Because um, you could just get in a lot of trouble. You, you, you really can't. We want to look at what it is that scripture has. But we believe, and I do. I, I, one of the things I love about this series is I tell people, I'm like, hey, as you're doing your Bible study, just write down that number, uh, the 616-379-9293. It's our main number, just in case you, you were like, oh, I didn't write it down. It's on our website. It's everywhere. Um, that is the church number. That's why I have my phone out here. I'm not bored when Becca starts talking. I'm actually <laughs> looking at, at questions as, as they're coming in. Um, but it's, it's looking at God's word and digging in and being like, okay, well, what does this mean? Where, where does this fall? What, I don't want to just take something out. And it, it's how we grow. It's how we grow. And we're like, okay, because we get a chance to look and to see it. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to look at God's word. It looks back at us. And we're like, what am I supposed to look at? Because I believe it. I'm going to change this. What is it we're going to do? Where is it that we're going to go? This is where we're meant to be. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's meant to lead us. It's meant to guide us in all that we do. 
So as you have more questions, please go ahead and send them in. We'd love to get them, and we'll do our best to answer them um, in the coming weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you're online, you can always send us any time during the week, whenever. Send us in. We'd love that. But with that, would you guys bow your heads, and would you close your eyes? I want to I ask, as, as we're closing out, do you know where you stand with God? Just, just showing up here is a wonderful thing to do, but what we just read was that the demons believe in God and they tremble. So my question to you is, have you taken that step? Has what you believed, have you just held, yep, I believe it, or have you received what Jesus has done? Have you made him the Lord of your life and surrendered your heart to him? If you say you have, and I'd love the honor this morning of praying with you, whether you're in this room or you're online, I'd love the honor of praying with you. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, then here's what I'm gonna ask. Whether this is your first time or, or today's the day you say, I'm just coming back. I know I need to, I'm coming back. I've been living my own way today, I'm rededicating my life. Or you say, today's the day I'm giving him my all. If that's you at the count three, I want you to lift your hand and we're gonna pray right where you are. And God's gonna meet you right there. One, two, three. That's you, lift your hand. Say, that's me. Everybody's saved in this room. Well, here's what we're gonna do. In this room, we're gonna pray with those of you that are online. So everybody with your heads bowed, Let's just pray with those that are online that are hearing this message right now and making that decision. Out loud, everybody, let's all together, let's say it. Everybody say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. Devil, you lost me. God, I'm yours. I believe that you came, shed your blood, so I could be free. So forgive me and make me new. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.